What is going on, friends? Ryan Dorn here coming up on this month's episode of the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Three great questions. Rob from Denver asking about follow-up patterns. How much is too much? Tracy from Milwaukee hating her sales job. Tracy, don't quit. Got some great advice for you coming up from Mike and I. And then Brad from Worcester, Mass. He's talking about relationship selling. Clients aren't wanting to go to lunch anymore with him. Brad, you're not alone. we got some great advice coming up on the show this month. Also, we're going to be talking about listening skills, listening more if you want to sell more. Don't even tell me that you're a good listener. I've been out on too many of your sales calls with some of you guys. Okay, you've got to listen more if you're going to sell more. I've got 10 ideas that might just blow your mind. All coming up this month on the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Here we go. From the Brainswell Media Studios, welcome to Ad Sales Nation with your host, Ryan Dorn. Each month, Ryan digs deep on the issues and challenges facing media salespeople like you every day. Ryan is a 28-year media veteran, an Emmy winner, a sales coach, and he still sells media every day just like you. Now, your host, your coach, your fellow media sales warrior, Ryan Dorn. Awesome. Thanks, Deb. Appreciate it. Welcome to the show, everybody. Ryan Dorn here. And if you are in the sales world like me each and every day, neck deep in this, everybody's like, Ryan, I want to work smarter and not harder. Yeah, good luck with that. I just talked about it on LinkedIn and got chastised. Although people say, you know, you're nobody unless you got some haters out there. Friends, I'm not saying you shouldn't be smart, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying that people are always looking to shortcut the sales process. And if you've been doing this as long as I have 28-some-odd years of nothing but sales and marketing, you you realize, yeah, I mean, you want to be smart about it, but there's no shortcut. I mean, really, you've got to work really, really hard um, here in the sales business. So I'm sorry if you were looking uh, to come to the show today and for me to give you a piece of advice that's going to you know generate millions of dollars and you do nothing. <laughs> that's called too good to be true. And um, that's not how, how it works in sales. But I can tell you this. I've got clients um, that are just reaching their goals, exceeding their goals, having some great weeks and months in their sales business. And you can too. I say it all the time to folks. My goal is really simple. I want to help you take your sales life, maybe even your personal life, to places that you never dreamed possible through some great advice and thoughts. So got your listener questions coming up. Um, of course, uh, we've got uh, all kinds of great advice uh, from Mike Obert from OpenLook as we answer your listener questions. And then, of course, the advertising tech tip uh, coming up from Charity Huff in January, spring uh, as well. All right, listening more to sell more. People tell me all the time, like, Ryan, I'm a great listener. Well, why is it then when I get the opportunity to listen to some of your sales calls, like people will record them and send them to me? Why is it then that I hear you talking 80 some percent of the time? Why is it? So if you're great at listening, if you're a great listener, why is it that you talk 80 some percent of the sales call? So let me walk you through this idea I like to call listening more to sell more. So I've got 10 ideas for you. Number one, experts tell us that 80 percent of critical sales information is heard and not spoken. So why should you be listening? Because experts tell us that 80% of critical information is heard and not spoken. All right, number two, active listening, it's extremely helpful in building rapport, but a lot of people get it wrong because they watched a YouTube video or went to some weekend workshop that was led by somebody that hasn't sold anything in the last 15 or 20 years. Active listening, when someone says, you know, I had a great day today and my dog went to the veterinarian, unfortunately, 
And this weekend, my football team lost. An active listener that doesn't know what they're doing will say, so if I'm hearing what you're saying, your dog is not feeling well and your football team didn't do great. Okay, friends, active listening is about paying attention. It's about taking notes. It's about repeating things that make sense back to people to make sure that they know that you're listening. Would you be surprised to know the number of times that I hear people say, Ryan, I don't even like to take notes because I feel like it's distracting. All right, take notes and then occasionally stop to think back there with active listening and then summarize the important things that were said. Some of the things I like to do, and I know this is basic, but people don't do it. Uh, Let's just say it's Mr. Jones. Uh, Mr. Jones, as I'm taking some notes here, I want to make sure that I don't miss out on anything you're saying that's really important. And as a matter of fact, you could even say to me, make note of that, Ryan, if you feel it's important. What I've heard you say is one, uh, number two, number three. And I've got, so whatever they said, one, two, three. I've got some great ways to help you with that. So I think that's important. Number three, to prove you're listening, paraphrase. So active listening is repeating back to people, but to prove that you're listening, paraphrase it. Don't read it, read it back word for word to them. It's annoying paraphrase it. Number four, listen for adjectives that your client's using and then use them yourself. Now, there's a few words that can get overused like awesome. So be careful about that. But I recently had a customer of mine that said over and over, I'm looking for for wise ideas. I'm trying to make to be very marketing savvy. I'm looking for things that are just really unique. So I'm writing down savvy. I'm writing down unique. I'm using the word wise. So when I'm talking back to this person on the phone or in person or on Zoom or whatever, words that resonate with them are words like savvy, like wise. So I'm going to use that back to them. I think this would be a wise decision, Mr. Jones. As a savvy marketer, I think this would be a great decision for you, Mr. Jones. You're listening for the adjectives that are meaningful to people, and you're using those adjectives back. I recently shared um, this Listen More to Sell More with a a group of mine that I train and coach on a monthly basis. And in the group, I had a couple people that said, you know, Ryan, this is a good little refresher, a nice little refresher. I love it when people say that because they look them back in the eye and I say, do it then. If you already knew it, then do it. Take this information and do something with it. So number four was listening for adjectives. Number five, listening for tempo. Listen for the tempo of your client, and then mimic that tempo. If you're a person that talks fast, maybe like you know who, like me, and I'm dealing with somebody that's talking quite slow, I want to make sure I listen for their tempo. And then number six, I want to listen for their volume. So five is tempo, six is volume. So if their tempo is a slower cadence, then I need to be listening for that, and I need to mirror their cadence. If they're a quiet talker, I need to mirror their volume. There's nothing worse than dealing with somebody or talking with someone that completely is volume 10 and their speech pattern is 900 miles a minute. You can hardly keep up with them. You see the people in the room, they're just cringing like, oh my gosh, why is this person doing this? Friends, as a part of a listening skill so that you can sell more, you need to be listening for tempo and mirror that tempo. Listen for volume and mirror that volume. Well, Ryan, what if I'm a person that talks slow and speaks softly and I'm dealing with a person that talks loudly and speaks quickly? Friends, look in the mirror. 
What you've got to do is you've got to mimic the person you're talking to within reason. All right. There's no two plus two equals four here. There's no an exact science. But if you're just paying attention, listen to them. Now, what I don't like, though, is if you're talking to somebody from Texas and you're from Minnesota and you're trying to do a Texas accent. OK, not necessary. Not going to work out. OK, <laughs> so be thinking about that but also just recognize that it's very appropriate and a good sales skill to listen for tempo and listen for volume and mirror those, mimic those. All right, number seven of 10, clarify your understanding all throughout the sales call by listening and asking for specifics. Mr. Jones, could you be more specific about that? Mr. Jones, you mentioned to me A, B, and C. Could you give me just a few more specifics on that? I want to make sure that I really understand that point. Ask for specifics. Number eight of 10, listen for clues to close the deal. Listen for those clues. Listen for words like, uh, I need to do this pretty soon, or my boss is upset. I need to get something figured out, or we've got a challenge that we've got to overcome in the next 30 days. Well, you know, sales are slow, Ryan, so we're trying to figure this and this out. Be listening for clues. Some people call them buying signals, but you don't know the number of times that I've listened to to your sales calls, you salespeople out there. And what I'm not hearing is you're asking for clarification. I'm not hearing you listening for clues to buying signals. As a matter of fact, there was a guy, we'll just call his, we'll say his name is Roman. Roman sent me a call to, to listen through and I listened to it. And this, this, this person actually said to him, his prospect actually said to him, you know, Roman, I, I, I'm, I, this is great. I'm ready to go. And Roman kept going on with his sales pitch. The man literally said to him two times, Roman, I'm good. I'm good. Let's close this deal. But Roman was so caught up in his slide deck, he wasn't listening. Man, I wish I would have been there. So I could have stomped on his foot and said, hey, Roman, pay attention. He wants to buy now. You don't need to sell him anymore. Number nine, there's almost nothing more annoying than somebody that interrupts. So as a listening skill, you want to make sure that if you've got an answer back to that person, don't be sitting on the edge of your seat. Don't sit there with your mouth open, ready to go. Be listening. Don't interrupt people. Now, if you do need to interrupt, wait for the appropriate time. And then, then what you want to do is just, if you can kind of jump in, you might raise your finger if you, you know, to kind of signify that you had something to say, but be careful. Interrupting is irritating on so many levels. And then number 10, ask questions, but friends watch out for those open-ended questions that are quite honestly, really trite, overused. Be careful about that. You know, Bill, what keeps you up at night? Man, that's not a good question. It just sounds creepy. You know, tell me what's working for you right now. Well, you just invited them either to say nothing or you've invited them to talk about your nearest competitors and how great of a job that they're doing for them. Asking great questions could be things like, what does one new customer mean to you? What could I do to save you money this month? How about this one? When you took this meeting with me, was there a problem you were hoping that I could potentially solve? Friends, listening is a skill set that everyone says they're awesome at. Yet when I evaluate your sales strategy, most of the time you're preaching. You're preaching. And when you're preaching, you're not listening. When you're not listening, you're not selling. Let's roll through these 10. Experts tell us that 80% of critical sales information is heard and not spoken. 
Active listening. Be an active listener, but don't go crazy with it. It's great for building rapport. Number three, to prove your listening, repeat, be an active listener, repeat back, but paraphrase. Don't repeat back everything that you hear. Number four, I love this one. Listen for adjectives. I love this one. Listen for adjectives. Listen for the adjectives they're using and use them back. Words like great, awesome, wise, savvy, wonderful. Listen for their adjectives and then use those adjectives back. Number five, listen for their tempo. Number six, listen for their volume. Match their tempo, match their volume. Don't be higher, don't be lower. It's the whole Goldilocks principle. It's too hot, no, it's too cold. Look for it to be just right. Number seven, clarifying, asking questions, wanting them to get specific, that's number seven. Number eight, listen for clues that they're ready to buy. Be looking for those buying signals. Number nine, there's almost nothing more irritating than people that interrupt. So don't be an interrupter, all right? And then number 10, ask open-ended questions, but be careful about those questions that are overused, super, super trite. Be really careful about that. Ask questions that have a real purpose. Don't ask questions just to ask questions. Friends, listen more to sell more. All right, coming up next, we've got questions from Rob, Troy, and Brad. Rob uh, asking about uh, follow-up patterns, how much is too much. Uh, Tracy hating her sales job. So, Tracy, we've got some thoughts uh, for you. And then Brad from Massachusetts, um, he's having some trouble with relationship selling. Uh, people are just not wanting, unfortunately, to go to dinner and things like that. And, and guess what, Brad? We've got some thoughts and we've got some advice for you. In addition to that, we've got uh, the tech tip from Charity Huff. That's going to be coming up here in just a couple seconds as well. We'll learn more about programmatic. All right. Well, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach and trainer if I didn't have some sponsors here of the podcast. So if you would, give me 35 or 40 seconds to pay some bills, and we'll be back right here with the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Coming up next, stick around. Stay close. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by... Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. Openlook Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now, back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends and fans. As you know, one of my favorite parts of the program is when Charity Huff from January Spring joins me and we talk about uh, advertising uh, technology and um, Charity, one of the things specifically as it relates to programmatic advertising is all the salespeople that listen to the podcast, we all know that when you're talking about programmatic, it can be a little confusing for advertisers. So I was really intrigued when you reached out and said um, that you have something called household targeting, which makes it a little bit easier for the salespeople to present the idea of programmatic. So if you don't mind, could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. It's interesting to me that we get our heads wrapped too far around like the technology and all the cool things we can do 
when at the end of the day, um, the folks that are buying advertising from us really just want to be able to reach their target customer, the audience that the magazine publisher, um, has as their core readers, that's who the, the business owner wants to be targeting. So we've rolled out what we call household targeting, which takes everything that's super awesome about programmatic and just adds one more layer to it. So folks want to reach people even at the address level, right? I want to know exactly um, that I'm reaching these people in this zip code or this part of town, and I want people that look like this. So now um, we're working with our publisher partners to build these pre pre-canned, pre-built audiences that match their readership. So it can be based off of geography. Um, we can layer in some demographic information. So for example, um, we work with a bunch of really great parent magazines. So if we want to target households of people with children or parents, we can do that. Um, if we want to target pet owners, we can do that. And then you can also start to layer in some hobbies and interests. So think of it just like you would for um, social media targeting. Um, so if I want to reach people that are into fashion or foodies or people that are into health and wellness, I can do that now as an additional targeting layer on top of the great work that we're doing already. No, that's awesome. So I think that the couple takeaways for the salespeople listening to the podcast we have now taken the complexity of programmatic, which is cool, but we've made it a lot simpler or is it more simple, simple or simpler? I don't know, <laughs> but, but just made it a little bit easier for you to sell it. So if I'm following you, cause I'm learning along with everybody else here, charity, if I'm following you, let's just say that I just happen to be the city and regional magazine in Philadelphia. And so I'm a salesperson and I'm going out to meet with a jeweler. The jeweler says to me, I want my ads on the phone, et cetera, to be seen by people in this particular affluent zip code that have meet these three or four characteristics. You can go to them and say, hey, we've already got that luxury person in Philadelphia right. figured out. We've got exactly. it figured out. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Right. Because you already are buying in our magazine because we reach those folks today. And we can do the same thing with your programmatic geofencing. Now, that's great. Now, for those of you in the B2B space, um, there's something that's moderately similar where if you've got a database of reader data, you can take that reader data, can't you, Charity, and pre-build some audiences as well for B2B yeah. folks? Yes. And we do that with most of our B2B publishers and it works so perfectly because then you're not wasting impressions. You're only targeting the GM right. at a particular place of business because that's who your client is trying to reach. Yeah. And so, you know, um, folks that are listening, one of the things I know that Charity, you love to do is brainstorm and come up with solutions to some of these complex problems. So I just encourage, you know, all the listeners of the podcast here, um, all of our friends and fans, if programmatic is something that you're interested in selling, um, reach out to Charity and the folks at January Spring. Get on a call, do a little bit of brainstorming because I feel, Charity, like a lot of folks aren't embracing this because it's super complex. And I feel like one of the things you've done is made it way, way easier for reps to sell. That's our job is we do the heavy lifting. You guys know your market, you know your clients, you know your readers. If you can describe that to us, we can help you with the rest. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, I'm always looking for ways to sell, A, more advertising and advertising faster that's easier for people to understand. So um, that's awesome, Charity. And so, friends, you can find uh, JanuarySpring.com and go on there and, and drop an email to Charity and the team, and they'll be happy to get uh, on, a, uh, on a phone call with you and do a little brainstorming. So, Charity, thanks so much for the information. We appreciate it uh, every month. And I know that uh, because technology is changing, we're never going to run out of topics to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> So true. So true. Thank you, Ryan. All right. Coming up next, we've got questions from Rob, Troy, and Brad. Rob uh, asking about uh, follow-up patterns. How much is too much? Uh, Tracy hating her sales job. So Tracy, we got some thoughts for for you. And then Brad from Massachusetts. um, He's having some trouble with relationship selling. Uh, People are just not wanting, unfortunately, to go to dinner and things like that. And, And guess what, Brad? We've got some thoughts and we've got some advice for you. All right, well, I'd be a pretty terrible sales coach and trainer if I didn't have some sponsors here of the podcast. So if you would, give me 35 or 40 seconds to pay some bills, and we'll be back right here with the Ad Sales Nation podcast. Coming up next, stick around, stay close. The Ad Sales Nation podcast with Ryan Dorn is brought to you in part by Digital Agency January Spring. If you want to offer your advertisers expanded digital services like social media management, digital display, or search engine marketing, turn to January Spring. They do all the heavy lifting, and you could reap the profit. You can find out more at JanuarySpring.com. That's JanuarySpring.com. The official CRM tool of Brainswell Media and Ad Sales Nation podcast is the magazine manager and the newspaper manager. This publishing CRM offers sales, billing, production, and marketing in one integrated package. Learn more online at magazinemanager.com or newspapermanager.com. Openlook Business Solutions, offering media companies outsourcing solutions to reduce expenses in data collection, audits, sales, telemarketing, ad layout, and so much more. Find out more online at open-look.com. That's open-look.com. Now back to the Ad Sales Nation podcast with your host, Ryan Dorn. All right, friends. As you know, one of my favorite parts uh, of the podcast each and every month is when uh, Mike Obert uh, from Open Look Business Solutions joins us. And so we can talk about uh, some of your listener questions and answer those back. Once again, Mike, uh, we've got another month here where people are no longer just submitting questions to me. Now I've got questions like, hi, Ryan and Mike. So I think you have definitely reached celebrity status. (laughs) <laughs> it's about time, right? <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, no, it's great. You know, I think it's important, though, Mike, for people to get um, various perspectives from folks that um, have been in sales in different capacities at different companies. And I also think that it's pretty boring when everybody <laughs> agrees with me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't always want to agree with the great Ryan. Dorn. Right. There you go. Exactly. Okay. So um, I got three questions. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Rob from Denver, uh, Tracy from Milwaukee, and Brad from Worcester. Uh, mass. And so let's get to, let's dig right in here to Rob from Denver. So here's Rob's question. Hi, Ryan and Mike. I'm concerned that my follow-up pattern after my meetings is too aggressive. What post-meeting follow-up patterns do you feel are most effective? So obviously we've got patterns when we're talking about uh, prospecting. Now this person, Rob, has already had a meeting with a client you know, he's asking about the frequency and methodology be- behind following up after you've had a meeting with the customer. So, Mike, you know, in your sales process, um, after you have a meeting, how quickly or aggressively or what do you do when you follow up? I mean, I am going to give the, the customer a little bit of room to breathe, but I will send a post-meeting wrap-up email of here are the things that I promised or here are the things that I, I, I told you I was going to send. I, w- I would do that in that same day. 
but as far as any other type of post-meeting follow-up or when is the next time I'm going to call them, I'd give them two to three business days. Uh, I wouldn't put too much pressure on, hey, let's close this or here's my contract um, until a couple days later. But I, I definitely would follow up with some sort of email recapping what you discussed, what you talked about, what you promised, send them that, that, those materials, and then after that, give them a couple days to breathe. Yeah, you know, you've heard me talk about it, um, Rob and Mike, where I do it every three business days. Let me be really clear, business days. And what I'm doing in my follow-up pattern is I am leaving a voicemail that directs them to an email that I'm just about to send. And so I really don't ask people to call me back per se. On the meeting, at the meeting, I like to control the follow-up. And I'll say something like, you know, Mike, um, thank you for thinking about this. You're going to get busy. I'm going to get busy. So if we could just get a date on the calendar together, if your answer is yes, great. If your answer is no, that's okay too. I'll respect your no. But let's try to get together in the next two or three days. If they blow me off, if they stand me up for that meeting, then I try voicemail, immediate email. So the voicemail directs somebody to the email. And then I wait three business days, voicemail that directs them to the email. I don't even ask people to call me back. So, Mike, am I crazy not to ask people to call me back? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's actually kind of the way everything is going right now, right? I don't think I'm getting a ton of callbacks, but I am getting a ton of response emails or text or stuff like that. So I do like how he said it's too aggressive um, because I'm not really sure you can ever be too aggressive. I mean, you can be maybe a little bit overly aggressive, but I mean, in sales, the aggressive is that's a good thing. I mean, I guess if you called somebody every day, um, that would probably be considered aggressive. Or if you showed up at their office every day, that would potentially be, you know, aggressive. But I don't know, Mike, most business owners I encounter are looking for salespeople that are persistent. They're not looking for, hey, give me a salesperson that's lazy and doesn't follow up with people. So you're, you're a business owner. I mean, aren't you looking for a, I'm you know, looking, an aggressive? Yes, I am looking for uh, persistent. I love that word, persistence. I, I want people that are constantly following up and, and doing the tasks that they need to be done, that needs yeah. to be done. Yeah, yeah. Po um, polite persistence is, you know, kind of the phrase I use because you, I mean, sure, there, if you're, if you're right on that edge of where you're kind of annoying, I think that would be, you know, kind of, kind of suspect or a little sketchy. You know, the other thing too, Rob, you could do is ask the person. You could just ask your client. You could say, hey, after our meeting, I'm going to follow up with you. You know, what kind of pattern do you like? Do you like phone? Do you like email? Do you like text every few days? What kind of follow-up pattern? You know, how can I best communicate with you? I think you might be surprised. Um, the answers that you get, because some people might say to you, believe it or not, follow up aggressively with me. I get real busy and I'm I'm easily distracted. Perhaps. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that has happened. So yeah. That could be and yeah, and you don't know what's going on within their personal life too, as well. Like, hey, give me a call in two weeks because I've got the stuff going on. Yeah. So it might not even be that they're blowing you off. They legitimately have things going on in their life that that uh, restricts them from giving you a callback. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Good question, Rob, from Denver. Love us some Denver. Mike, we've been out to Denver together. Denver's a great city. Denver is fun. We've had a lot of good times in Denver, Ryan. Yeah, lots of good times in Denver. So, All right, uh, next one, Tracy from Milwaukee. How you doing, Tracy? Um, I am one year into sales. Congratulations. You survived the first year. Uh, but here's the question, Mike. She says, hi, Ryan, I'm one year into sales and I'm hating it more and more every day. I had no idea it was this hard. 
what can I do to stay inspired? Wow. So Tracy, um, I'll let you think about this for a second, Mike. (laughs) You know, I guess my thought on it is inspiration comes in many different shapes and sizes, but let me first start out by saying, if you don't love sales, don't just be in sales to make money. I mean, if you don't really find some joy in your job, find something where you find joy. Otherwise, you might grow up to be just a miserable, really, really angry salesperson. And the angrier you are, the less likely it is that you're going to be successful. I mean, unless you're angry about like, I'm angry because i got to pay my bills. I'm angry because I've got to pay off my house, you know, and things like that. So where do you find joy, um, Tracy? I think you find joy from listening to podcasts of people that are positive in sales. I think you find a mentor that's very positive in sales. Now it could be, Tracy, maybe it's just the product you're selling or the company you're working for. Because most people like being in sales. But so you could potentially, um, you know, either maybe change companies, change products. I'm sure your boss doesn't want me to say that, especially if you're if you're pretty good. But the other biggest thing is figure out why. What's your why? I've got a book right here. It's start called Starts with Why. Find your why. Why why are you doing it? Are you doing it to make money? Are you doing it to give to charity? Are you doing it to take care of your family? But really think about it, find your why, and then see if you can't find some joy in in why uh, you're doing it. But Mike, we've been doing this a long time. So Tracy's saying she's really doesn't like sales. What what do you think? Yeah, when I was reading this, or, or we were talking about this, I think you might need to change the mindset of what is your ultimate goal of, of your ultimate sale. Is there's other things that you can have small victories? In other words, hey, I need to make 20 calls today. Did I accomplish that? Hey, I, I won that. Did I get out five proposals this week? Yep, I, I accomplished that. I won that. And did I actually get one sell? But yeah, sales is hard. It's not It's not the easiest thing. Some people, it comes very natural. Some people uh, fight the whole process and, and don't like doing it. Um, but you know, I always, I always like to make the reference here of like Major League Baseball. Like to be a good baseball player, you are going to get on base or, or get a hit 30% of the time. So 70, 70% of the time you're failing. I feel like sometimes in sale, it's, it's somewhat similar that you're going to fail probably 75% of the time to get those 25% sales. So anything that you can do to have these small victories that make you feel good and not, hey, I'm, I'm struggling or I'm stressed out because I'm looking for that hit. I'm looking for that 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 one sale, um, anything that you can do to make things a little bit easier, a little bit more victories, a little bit more pats on the back, I think will help you. Yeah, right on. You know, I was talking to a guy this morning, uh, Mike, and I think there's this there's this thought process that if you're going to be like a superstar in baseball, you know, you're you know you're batting you know 500. <laughs> it's like, right. hey, you know, um, you know, if you're you're really if you're batting well, so Mike, you're more of a baseball guy than me. Somebody that's really good, what are they batting? Like if they're really good, because they're not batting 500. <laughs> no, they're batting like 300, right? Right, right. So they're, there you they're go. successful 30% of the time. Right. I had a guy I was working with in Minneapolis, great guy. And um, he said, man, Ryan, I, I tried two of your video ideas and only one of the people contacted me back. And I'm like, dude, that's a 50% response rate. That's, right. that's like freaking awesome. That's so, good, yeah. yeah. But I like what you said, Mike, you know, celebrate the victories uh, no matter the size, and, and not enough people do that. Um, I think that's, you know, that's important. And then, Tracy, yeah. you know, when you figure out kind of why you got into this and, and why you're doing it, I think you will find better, you know, more more joy in it. Also, the other thing is maybe there's another role at your company as well um, that you could really find some joy in 
you know, uh, as well. So get out there, Tracy, and uh, I think you'll uh, you'll find with some of this advice, you know, I think you'll find some some joy in the uh, in the sales business. So we're not yeah. just doing it just for the money. So. Yeah. Good luck, Tracy. Yeah. All right, Worcester, Mass. I know where Worcester, Mass is. Um, Brad from Worcester. Um, Worcester. Ryan, Worcester. Ryan, I'm a 20 year veteran of sales. Good job, Brad. So there you go, Tracy. Other people besides Mike and I have been in sales for more than 20 years. Okay, here's what Brad says. For some reason, my lifelong clients are refusing to meet face-to-face with me. They don't want to go to lunch. They don't want to go to ball games, etc. Am I doing something wrong? So, <laughs> Brad, before we call you old, because we're we're getting there too. <laughs> Mike, what are your what are your thoughts on this? I, I I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say, but Mike, what are your thoughts first, and then I'll give some thoughts. No, I I kind of agree with him. I think some of that stuff has shifted a little bit. That um, some of the people that I've done business with for a long, long time don't really want to go out to dinner, and maybe it's because it's an infringement on their personal time, whatever. Um, so things that I've done to maybe change that a little bit of like, Hey, I'm not going to inconvenience you or make you go do something, uh, and use your own personal time. But you know what, I'm going to come by your office with some Starbucks or I'm going to come by your office with a gift certificate so that you can take out your wife. But, um, but I, I, I think I have seen that change a little bit. Um, and I think this younger generation also is not a huge fan of, of using their personal time to, uh, for a sales call or something like that. Um, so th- those are some things that I've been doing. Yeah, indeed. So Mike, uh, uh, Brad rather, um, Brad, I really feel like you are not doing anything wrong. I think that we all observe it, um, whether we're young or we're old. I mean, I've got 30-year-olds that I'm working with selling right now that cannot get client meetings with other 30-year-olds. So I don't know that it's you against them or you against the world. The world has just changed a lot. And as much as I wish I could say that relationship selling is where it used to be, unfortunately, I mean, it's just not. A lot of things have changed. So we're buying and selling things a lot more in a transactional way. I'm not saying relationship selling is dead. I'm just saying that we have to change the the, the patterns and the ways that we sell. Face-to-face, clearly, you're going to get more done. If you're face to face with somebody, but if they don't want to meet face to face, how about go to meeting? How about Zoom? Um, how about using Skype? You know, uh, FaceTime, whatever. Right. If they don't want to go to a dinner or a ball game, as Mike suggested, perhaps you get them a gift certificate so that they can go and enjoy it uh, themselves. But here's the other thing, Brad: don't give up because recently I have had lunch and dinner with clients, but I've had more breakfasts with clients at trade shows than lunch and dinner, because it's a lot more informal, doesn't take quite as much time, and you're on a particular schedule to like get to work or get to the show or, you know, or whatever. So that's funny you said that, Ryan, because I I had somebody just say that same thing, that the breakfast meeting is like the ultimate, like, because just what you said, it's a scheduled time, you got to get out of there. It can be as short as you want it, it can be a little bit longer if you need it to be, but there is an ending time. Um, to where a lunch or a dinner, you know, could go on for a little bit. But I, I recently had this guy tell me, he goes, the breakfast meeting is the best meeting that you can have. And it's, it also, it's, it usually starts on time. It usually gets over on time and it's usually a little bit cheaper. It also is not like committing an evening to somebody. I mean, that's a pretty big right. ask. Hey, do you want to go to, you know, a baseball game with me? That's like a four or five hour commitment. And that's a little bit rough for most people. But Brad, the biggest thing is don't think of this, because I'm guessing when you say 20 years, unless you started when you're 14, you're probably in your, say, early 40s-ish. So 
I, it's not a generational thing in my opinion as much as it is just understanding that times in general have changed and people value their time now more than they ever have before. Just a thought on that. Yeah, so, um, you know, Mike, any other thoughts um, for, for Brad? Because we're both been selling for a while and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it happening to me. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you. Keep asking, though. I mean, I think people do appreciate it, uh, you know, especially going to a ball game or something. I mean, keep asking. And, uh, you know, if they turn you down, don't take it personal. Um, but, you know, maybe change the tactic a little bit of, of can I do a breakfast meeting or can I stop by your office or something like that? Yeah, indeed. Now, the other piece is go deep, really, really deep with those that will uh, give you the time of day. So clients of mine that will grant me a dinner or will grant me something like that, I go really deep. Like I make it a really, really memorable dinner. Um, if they will agree to go to a ball game or something, make it really, really memorable. Spend the money on it because those relationships are important if you get to uh, that point. The other thing is I, I really don't like the fact that a lot of people, and you didn't say this, Mike, that a lot of people will blame this on the younger generation. Well, they just, you know, they're just impassionate. They don't want to meet with, that's just not true. I think what, you're, what you'll find is when you break through and really can relate with people, whether it's on a sports level or it's a college alumni level or it's music or, you know, um, something that you both enjoy, find people that are passionate about things you're passionate about, young or old. And I think those connections are still, you know, really, really darn uh, important. I know you agree with that, Mike. I totally agree with that, especially talking to my number one favorite Bears fan right now. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> you got to be careful when you start the conversation. Make sure you at least know the score of the last game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, friends, we really enjoy this part of the program because so many of us are in sales out there and we're struggling a little bit. We need some answers. So shoot those questions over to me. Love to feature you here uh, on the podcast. Send those uh, emails over to ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N. Ryan at RyanDorn.com, and we're more than happy, uh, Mike and I, together to to dissect and, uh, and and answer these questions. Mike, I'm Matthew. You guys still got a lot of fun uh, fun things uh, cranking up. We're coming closer towards the end of the year here. Um, you guys still running a bunch of projects. People still keeping you real busy, I hope. People are still keeping us real busy. One trend that I have seen that's happening here at Open Look is we're getting more and more requests now for virtual employees. So people that have been doing projects with us in the past, whether it's list building or going to find data, data pin, um, is actually hiring an open look uh, employee for a full-time job um, and keeping that person busy going out, do it, like I said, doing some of those tasks uh, that you don't want your salespeople doing. So um, I have seen that trend. We've got several clients that have recently come to us and asked for this virtual employee model, which uh, it's been great. Oh, that's awesome. Really, really good to know. Um, and as you guys, you folks listen to the program, you've heard me talk about it before. Um, whenever you see updates on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, I wish I could say I had the time to do it. Um, you know, I have a person dedicated at OpenLook that does videos for me, social media updates for me. And so they're, uh, you know, I can't say I'm keeping them busy full time, Mike, but maybe we'll get to that point. But you guys handle all that for me. And it's, uh, it's flawless. It saves me a ton of time. Uh, that's for sure. Yep, absolutely. That, that's what uh, we're here for is to help people get back some of their time so that they can go do some stuff that creates more opportunities and creates more revenue for themselves. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, uh, Mike, thanks for being on the show, friends. If you're looking to reach out to Mike, uh, open-look.com, open-look.com. And uh, Mike, as always, thanks for answering the questions and thanks for your support of the show. Absolutely. Fa most favorite time of the month is right now. 
All right, friends, that is our podcast for the month. I sure appreciate you hanging out with us for uh, 30 minutes or so. Hope you find uh, this information always useful. That's the goal. Our goal is simple, to try to help you take your sales life to places that you only dreamed possible. Hey, don't forget, friends, great time of year for me to come to your office and get your teams trained. A lot of people say, Ryan, that's got to be crazy expensive. Um, It's actually not. Uh, We have year-long programs. We have six-month programs. So reach out to me. Go over to the website, 360adsales.com, 360adsales.com. Love to uh, come to your office or, hey, come on down here to Augusta, Georgia. Um, As the weather gets cool where you are, maybe you want to come here. We've got a training center. You can come and hang out with us here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia, and we'll train uh, during the day and we'll golf during the afternoon or something like that and have a great time uh, together. All right, friends, love my job. I love training your teams, and I love doing this podcast. Hope uh, you enjoyed as well. Send your listener questions. Send your feedback over to me, ryan at ryandorn.com. My last name is D-O-H-R-N, ryan at ryandorn.com. All right, friends, remember, if advertising sales was easy, everybody would be doing it, and they're not. So we're either crazy or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless you. Get out there on the street and sell something, and we'll see you on the next show. Stick around. Stay close. Next podcast coming up, all about new business development. Stick around.